Hey everybody, welcome to this edition of the LA Sports Hub Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Revis, and we have a representative of All Sports Market on the show this morning. Uh, Zach Ward, say hello to the audience for us. Hey everybody, this is Zach Ward. How are you? All right, Zach, so All Sports Market has come a long way in just a couple of, of years. If you could summarize for our audience um, what it's been like from where you guys have started to where you are now, how would you describe it? Uh, a fantastic journey of a lot of work. So, I mean, this has been uh, um, an, uh, a labor of love for the last, what, 15 years. And in the last three years, we've had the learning uh, data model up and running. Uh, we started off three years ago with a $100 million market cap and the learning currency. And we've just passed a billion dollars in, in the market cap. So it's, a, it's an incredible uh, milestone and achievement that even though we're, the last three years have been on a learning model to ensure that we have no problems with our algorithms, with the, with the computational market, um, and it's not trading real monies back and forth, it's a learning currency. The fact that it is such a um, enjoyable process for our sports traders that they have raised the value by selling and sharing and trading from 100 million to 1,000% more to over a billion dollars is a, a wonderful example of how much impact this is gonna have. So we're, we're very excited right now. And then could you also uh, just explain really quick uh, what your role is with All Sports Market and how you plan on uh, being a, an influence for them in the long term? Well, um, the guys who created All Sports Market, Chris Rabelais and Ace Underhill, friends of mine, and they're fantastic coders and geniuses and the Elon Musks, as it were, uh, of, the, of the company. And mm-hmm. they brought me on as the CEO for the West Coast Division Global, Force, uh, Global Sports Financial Exchange. And my job is more along the lines of the, the Steve Jobs. Uh, not that I'm anywhere near as profoundly uh, incredible as he is, but the idea is to create direction and design and interface message with the audience. So I, I'm the one putting together the little widgets and then working with the team so that we can make it uh, even more digestible and fun for the audience. <laughs> And what is it like when you see this idea really come to life? Um, you know, because when people think of sports and money, the, the biggest conversation they'll have is obviously with gambling. And you know, Las Vegas has a huge role to play in how that's all, all gone out and how big of a part that is in a lot of people's lives. Um, so I guess this question is more just, have you been able to see a personal impact on people's lives being changed and turned away from the whole gambling scene because of this? Uh- as of yet, not really. What I've been able to, I mean, because we have not gone into um, a fully funded market as of yet, but everyone, everyone I speak to, and I start explaining these concepts to, and they, when I explain to them, it's a stock market of sports teams where you invest in the performance of your team. And as your shares, uh, as your team wins and your shares go up, uh, your, the value goes up. If your team loses and the shares go down, the value goes down, but you retain ownership of your shares and so the next time your team plays a game whether it's the next day or the next week you still have your shares and they start rising and falling based upon the performance of the shares and when I explain this to people especially friends of mine who were into gambling 
mm-hmm. they it blows their minds and the look on their face is one of just holy crap this is a genius idea how come this has never been around before and i have friends of mine who were very much into gambling and they brought up something to me that um i hadn't even thought about which is if you put a hundred dollars down on a game you've got your spread and all the specifics of your bet but mm-hmm. you put it down and as soon as the game starts you can no longer adjust your position on that bet when it comes to investing you can actually change your position in real time so if you're if you've bought 100 shares of the LA Dodgers and you're watching the game and you you're in the third uh, the third inning and you've noticed that the the shares have gone down 15% but you know that the next person coming up to bat um, is going to just nail it outside the park you have the opportunity to change your position. You could either, in real time, as the game is going on, you could buy more shares because they've lowered in price, so you're getting a better price for your shares. And then when the team comes back up and wins that game, you've increased your profits as well as gotten dividends. Or if you wanted to hedge your, your shares, uh, your investment, you can buy shares from the opposite team. So you can actually trade in real time. And that's something that, Gambling does not allow in any way, shape, or form. Also, with gambling, once you put your money down, you're done. So when you lose that $100 bet, you lost $100. If you buy $100 worth of shares in your favorite team and they lost that game and the shares go down from $100 down to $75, you still own all those shares. So the next time that they play, those shares could go up in value. Or you could turn around and hold on to them a little bit longer and maybe sell them. So you're not losing all the money you put down. You're making a long-term investment in your team and able to adjust appropriately. And when people hear about that, especially people who were gamblers, it, it excites them because the risks are not the same. They're able to take the knowledge that they have of the sport and the teams that they love and use that to make an educated investment in that team. And more so, they can do it with their, the best team in their life, which is their family. So they have the opportunity to share this, uh, this experience with their family, with their wives, their husbands, and their kids. Whereas if you're throwing down bets in Vegas, eh, it's, it's kind of frowned upon. There's a lot of collateral damage that goes along with gambling there's a lot of seediness that goes along with gambling Mm -hmm. and it's not really looked looked at as something that is um respected in society as a a good decision so if you're a if you're a mom or a dad and your 20 year old 25 year old daughter or son comes home and tells you that they're going to marry a professional gambler uh you're going to freak out and you're going to try and convince them not to do that. If they come home and say that they're marrying a professional stockbroker, you're going to ask them what firm they work for. And look, I know that's allegorical, but the fact remains that culturally, and for good reason, there is an aversion towards gambling because it causes a lot of problems. So when people get to hear about this new alternative, uh, they get very excited about it because they can actually share the process with their families. They can buy shares in their favorite team. They can print 
uh, one of those stock shares off and put it up on the wall. They can sh show it to their kids and they can watch the game with their kids and they can teach their kids a little bit about investing just by watching and watching how the numbers go up and down as they talk about the sport. You can't do that with gambling. At the end of a season, your son or daughter now is an investor. Whether they understand it or not, through osmosis, they're absorbing the concepts and ideas of investing, and that can change their lives. So it's, it's really exciting to see the way that this is spreading through all the people that I meet and I talk to. And that impact is obviously something that's unique uh, to the kind of market that you guys have created and established. Uh, but would you say that you guys are heading in that direction where you could actually get to a point in the future where gambling becomes uh, such an, uh, a bad way of doing things and the investment part of investment, investing in sports teams and being able to, like you said, get the family involved and all that. Uh, is it, is it going a route where you could eliminate gambling for the most part, or if not completely, is that the goal? Or is Look, it I, here's the thing. is, is um, I don't have any goals to eliminate gambling in, around the world. Gambling's been going on for hundreds of thousands of years or how, however, and people who enjoy gambling, for, regardless of the pros or cons, are going to continue to enjoy gambling. Uh -huh. However, this is an alternative, and I think as, just like Uber, you know, when Uber came out, it really is just a rideshare. You're basically texting your buddy so they can pick you up and take you to the movie theater and pick you up and take you back. It doesn't seem like that big of a concept until you realize it changed the way that people look at owning a car. So when I was a kid, having a car was being an adult. I saved up money for a couple of years and worked my butt off to be able to afford my first car. And it represented freedom. It represented becoming a man. And it was a big, big deal. It was, it was a cultural icon in my life that it let everybody else know I'm successful and I'm to be taken seriously. And by the way, this was a really crappy car. It was a 1978 Volkswagen four-door Rabbit. So yeah, nothing to be impressed with, um, <laughs> but it's what it represented. Now the difference is a friend of mine bought his son uh, a car for graduating high school. It was a used car and I was like, oh, what an amazing gift. However, when he got the car, the kid, his attitude was, uh, really a car? And I thought, what a little jerk. You know, someone gets you a car, and you're being, you're acting like it sucks. And I asked my buddy, I said, well, that's kind of a jerk move. And he's like, you know, he explained it to me and I kind of get it. I said, so what, what? Explain it to me. He goes, well, his attitude was, now I have a car. Ugh. That means I have to drive everywhere. I have to pay for parking. I have to pay for gas. I have to pay for parking tickets. All my friends are going to want to have me give them a lift. And if I ever have a drink, I can go to jail. Oh, that's interesting. Right. But doesn't, doesn't he care that now he's the cool guy with a car? Oh, the difference is kids nowadays don't think you're cool if you have a car. Why? Because the Uber. So who cares? Mm -hmm. They don't care. 
It doesn't mean anything to them. They don't have to pay for the insurance or the gas or the maintenance or the parking or the DUI. They punch it in on their phone. So something as simple as Uber changed not only the process of how we have a car, what we think of as car, but the cultural identity towards what a car is. It's no longer that badge of manhood or, or adulthood. It's just, it's just a tool. And yeah, you can go on Uber and have the normal car. You can, do, you, can, you can share rides with people or you can go for a fancy Uber. Okay. But you don't need it. None of these people, these millennials, these teenagers, these millennials and below, anyone from the age of 30 and below is looking at going, looking at cars thinking, do I really need to own one? I mean, before it was either my car or this crappy subway bus system that I have to take and it takes forever. Oh, now I push a button and the car comes. And that is not only affecting the cult cultural position of the car as a status symbol, but also how many cars are being made a year? What is the carbon footprint? What is the price of gas? Mm -hmm. What is the uh, congestion downtown? Okay. So that's something as simple, right. as simple as, hey, man, give me a ride. That's all that is. Now, something like all sports market, I don't think. I don't think there's going to be all these gamblers in the country saying, hmm, I now have a choice. I can either gamble or I can go to all sports market. Right. I don't think that's the way it's going to work. I don't think they're going to do an either or. I think it's going to work exactly like Uber. I think what's going to happen is it's going to become the alternative that's easier, more accessible, doesn't carry the risk, doesn't carry the stigma, doesn't have the garbage, the bookies, the people who break your legs, the people taking all your stuff, showing up at your house doesn't have the uh, gambler's anonymous addiction aspect associated with it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be all these things that make it easier, more accessible, more enjoyable. You still get to enjoy using your brain, firing off all those dopamine receptors as you use the vast amount of knowledge you have of your favorite sport with your favorite team, putting it together and watching it work. Okay. So, I think what's going to happen is it's going to start to roll out. And slowly, these people, as, they keep on, as we keep on making more and more people, they're going to start accepting this as the alternative that is an easier access for them. Because it's a lot easier to hire an Uber than it is to go buy a car. Right? You just press a button or you could raise tw what 20% or 15% of the down payment plus get your insurance, a co-signer and you could to go buy a car is going to take you what a week. No, you push a button, you have a vehicle, you let it go. Not your problem. I believe what's going to happen is this is going to be the Uber of, of investing where people accept it because it's an easier access point. It's, mm -hmm. or, gets rid of all the risk. It allows them to enjoy the process and make money off of it. So slowly over time, this will 
replace gambling in the hearts and minds of people who are exposed to it. And yes, there's always going to be that, that blue-haired old lady who wants to go over to Las Vegas and she wants to put all her money in the slot machine and says things like, oh, this one's lucky. <laughs> sure. And there's always going to be those people in the James Bond movies who want to play Baccarat, which I have no idea how to play, and, or they're going to do high-stakes poker. Yeah, they're, they're going to go do that, and they should, and, and good for them. And I, I, I hope nothing bad ever happens. Uh -huh. But for the rest of the known universe who loves sports, and, and you got to understand, the sports fan gener demographic is the largest demographic in the world. It's higher than fem the gender demographic, female or male. It's higher than any religious base. It's higher than any uh, political or country base. Our sports fans. And they keep on making new ones. Sports are legacy to family, and they should be. Sports are um, really our last sacred thing that hasn't been tainted. The one thing that regardless of where you come from, what, you, what your background and cultural beliefs are, you can get behind the team. It can be a unifier. So what anywhere is the, in the globe. So what has the response been from teams uh, that are part of your market, teams in the professional sports? Have you guys heard from any commissioners or uh, anything like that? Well, just like what well, we asked, well, actually, we have just brought on uh, 3HL which is a uh, three-man hockey league team out of Ontario and also in, uh, in the United States. Okay. Um, so that's a real team that's brought on board. When it comes to the NHL, the NFL, um, basketball, and hockey um, for the major leagues, then what we've been doing is this data model that we've been running for three years, the beta, uh, where it's, everything is running on learning capital learning currency, no real money changing hands. So um, the point of doing that is just like when somebody goes on to Shark Tank, you know, if you go on to Shark Tank and you say, I've got an idea where we could make widgets. And Mark Cuban says, all right, did you make the widget? Nope. Do you have any patents on the widget? Nope. Uh, have you sold any widgets? Nope. All right, get out. <laughs> You're an idiot. So okay. the job is you go on Shark Tank and you say, we have the patents on the widget. We've designed multiple widgets and we've market tested them. We've sold X amount of widgets. And now what we need to do is scale our business because we have more demand than we can supply. And then the sharks say, great, we will now put in the money. But that's the way that you build a business slowly. You don't want to run before you can walk. Otherwise, you're going to spend money in the wrong places and time focused on the wrong things. You need to bring it to a point where it has the proof in the pudding. So for example, this is how I'm answering your question. Um, mm -hmm. We had spoken to the major leagues, NFL, NHL, NBA, uh, and baseball 10 years ago. And they, were, they loved the idea, didn't really understand the idea. Mm -hmm. which is understandable since it had never existed before in mankind's history. Right. Uh, and they were interested because they benefit from it, but they needed to see how it works. So our job was to make it work and be able to show them the data model. 
with 100% transparency, show them all the controls and regulatory uh, guard gates that are inside the, the software and inside the system to ensure it can't be manipulated and all the things that they need to ask. So that's been our job. Um, now getting the 3HL on out of uh, Ontario is a fantastic coup. We're very, very excited. And not only is it going to get people excited about the 3HL, it actually helps the 3HL raise money for their teams, mm -hmm. which is a lot of people don't know that. Uh, when you make a purchase of shares, there's a percentage of your purchase that goes towards the exchange, both on the purchaser side and the seller side. Mm -hmm. And that, um, that percentage is um, like 50% of it. 25% of it goes to dividends, 25% of it goes to the league, 25% of it goes to the team, and 25% of it goes to the exchange. So it's broken down into micro little pieces. But that way it's actually financing uh, that team. And especially if, when it comes to, different, you know, not every team is a NHL or a, a giant megalith. So yeah. this is something else that we're excited about is n a new, new franchises like the uh, 3HL where, you know, it's three-man-on-three-man three hockey. It's fast. It's furious. They're 15-minute games. It's a lot of fun for fans. It's the reason why you love playing hockey, but sometimes watching all the guys on the ice for three hours becomes a little time-consuming, and it wears you out. And the 3HL is a, is a really great option, uh, alternative, to get people excited about hockey again and really – reinvigorate the sport and the fact that they've come on board mm -hmm. as a real ex uh, as a real team um, on the exchange right now is very exciting our next position that we want to take is going through the regulatory process uh, which is what we're going to be doing is so that we can take this from a learning currency up and and get it regulated on a federal and state level to ensure that it's abiding by all the rules and regulations so that we can then turn that button on and it becomes a fully Regulated exchange for real currency. And what's the timetable for that? Our goal projection is a year. A year? Yeah. And uh, so additions like the 3HL, like you've been saying, those are good, uh, good teams to get on the exchange. Is there any desire by all sports market at the moment to explore possibly seeing what it would take to maybe invest in college teams or is that off the table? And right now, the no, it, it depends. I mean, you know, there's a lot of sticky wickets when it comes to college teams yeah. uh, in the sense of, uh, as you're aware, a lot right. of shenanigans has been going on with college teams recently um, where there's been a lot of uh, what's the proper term. Um, Thanks. Hmm. Scandal. Yeah. Uh, was it CIA or FBI busting that ring? And there's the Adidas guy who's, I mean, there, there's a lot of hoot nanny, and that's one of the things that at All Sports Market, yeah, the entire our our culture is that, like I said, there's something about sports that is sacred, and that has to be protected at all times. And for some people, it's basketball, baseball, hockey, football. For me, it was always the Olympics. For me, it was always the example of uh, the highest level of accomplishments that humans can endeavor uh, to reach and and they're doing it out of a goal for perfection and they're accomplishing more and more and more every single year and it's it's inspiring so before all sports market gets involved in 
any type of student-based uh, amateur athletics, there has to be a real conversation about how to ensure uh, its effect and, and positive impact. Now, that's one of the other greatest things about all sports market. Unlike gambling, you know, in gambling, you bet on, uh, you bet on things. And it, you know about Pete Rose getting kicked out of the uh, Hall of Fame for betting on his own team. And the point is that with gambling, it can affect the performance of the athletes because there's a benefit to them um, financially to fail. So that's the reason why people take a dive, right? Right. And that, that messes with the integrity of the sport. The joy about all sports market is it's team-based. Mm-hmm. You're in buying stock in the team. So the only way that someone and the team could manipulate the stock is for them to convince every other single person in the team to throw the game for every single game in the season. <laughs> this is not possible. <laughs> this is not possible. So you know, are there- each, one of these, each one of these players makes tens of millions of dollars a year. That's not even the big guys. And you'd have to convince everybody on the team to throw every single game for the entire season in order to try to manipulate the stock market. So it basically costs you about $5 billion and you'd have to, it's just not something you can do. So that's where the stock investing opportunity creates a transparency and a safety to stop the cancer of betting affecting the sport. Is there any uh, opportunities in the future that you guys see as uh, chances that you would be able to take up in, in maybe schools across the country to maybe even bring the financial literacy, literacy to the classroom oh, yeah. uh, while also thank give you. them an opportunity at home to do it with their families? Yeah, thank you. That's a really good, really good question. Uh, yes, absolutely. There's, um, as I said before, the difference with the stock investment is that you can actually do this stuff with your kids. Because if you turn to your kids and you said, hey, let's talk about dividends and market fluctuations, their eyes would roll up in their head. They'd go into a coma and stop talking to you because they're, they're 10 years old and that's boring. Right. But if you ask them who their favorite team is and then you said, all right, we're going to buy, we're going to buy a bunch of shares in your team and we're going to watch how they go up and down as we watch the game. And now it becomes a family affair that's fun well, with everybody involved and they're talking about it. And at the end of the year, they understand how investing works and they continue that attitude. Now, flipping that script and turning it over to the schools using the same methodology, which is we're not going to talk about investing. We're going to talk about sports. Everybody loves sports. Who's your favorite team? All right. And you got a classroom full of kids where they can say, my favorite team is the Blue Jays or the Orioles or the Dodgers or the whatever's they like. And everybody can see how their shares do. And as the season goes on, then the teacher can interact with them and show them, explain what their options are with their, on their position with their shares. And it's all done for a learning currency. Yeah, that's absolutely something all sports market is doing. 
So what would be, if anything, any sort of concerns that you guys have moving forward in terms of red tape? Obviously, the regulation process is something that's the next step. But is there anything once the market's established um, in terms of, you know, obviously like a crash isn't isn't likely or possible, like you were saying. Um, is it, but is there any possible downside or anything that people should be looking out for with this kind of market? No, you know, I mean, I will never say that nothing can go wrong. Um, but it's like the theory of gravity. You know, the theory of gravity is still considered a, a theory in science. But every time I push a coffee cup off a table, it hits the ground. So our job is to keep on establishing the theory of all sports market and quantify everything in the algorithm and the software and ensure transparency and the ability for it to be audited and to uh, control and police any attempts at market manipulations. Um, and we have been doing that for nigh on a decade. And I'm not bragging, but we've got some very, very, very smart individuals running code and statistics, uh, statistical analysis and working with our coders to ensure that none of this happens. The other great thing what's going to happen with uh, all sports market when we become a regulated market is that the, uh, the amount per year that someone's allowed to invest is $2,500 per person. And that's, that's uh, connected to your computer and your social security and or your credit card slash account like you would on anything that was an investment. But at $2,500 a person, um, you can't manipulate that market. It's not like the New York Stock Exchange where you have a hedge funds that are moving $50 million every three hours. So we, like I said before, we want to start off walking before we start running. There's no rush. And do it properly. Take a little bit longer to do it properly. Just don't, don't run in and do it, do it wrong. Is there uh, anything you are most excited about moving forward besides the, the regulation process? Well, number one, that, to me, that really is super exciting. That's, that's fan, a fantastic opportunity. And I, I, we talked about this briefly before that um, uh, and his brother had created PayPal. You know, they were out marketing PayPal. Um, and very quickly, over a couple of years, uh, PayPal became uh, ubiquitous and was moving $50 million, $100 million around the country, around the world. And when that happened, the federal government knocked on the door and said, hey, you guys are operating like a bank. And they needed to shut down and get fully regulated so that they could operate properly. Now, they did, obviously, because PayPal is still a fantastic thing. Um, their process, our goal is to do it properly the first time out, not require anybody to come knocking on our door, but instead knock on their door and with all the forms filled out and the check ready to rock and roll so that we can do this abiding by the law. And that's one of the things that we're very proud of at Allsforce Market is, you know, we have a history of transparency and anybody wants to look at our books and look at how we've been running this company to set it up to be something to be proud of um, is got full access. So that really to me is, is the number one, the number one goal and the most exciting one, because I believe it's 
it's that launch of an idea of a concept that with the way it will change the way uh, people's perspective of sports and finance, the way that it'll change uh, people's perception of gambling, the way that it'll change uh, people's perception of investing, how it will financially educate them and create literacy in an area that they may have previously thought they were intimidated by or that it was above their pay grade. Uh, now they're going to have an exposure to this that makes them feel um, empowered and it takes away the fear. So all of that comes together and it's, it, to me that is the overreaching goal and it's, it's very exciting. And so the, the growth with being able to invest in your own team is one thing, but is there any way that uh, potential investors will be able to actually invest in the, the company of all sports market itself? Yeah, there will be, but that's a little bit farther down the line. And that would come as, out as people. Uh, that's like what we're doing now. Like the, the process, let me, let me rephrase that. No, people are able to invest in all sports market, the company itself. It's just like, like I said, with shark tank, what we're doing now is a uh, funding round. What we're raising the money to go through regulation. We've proven that the machine works. We've proven that our widgets are fantastic. We've got everything set up to be checked, double checked, and come out with a, a big smiley face on the end. And now we're looking for our Mark Cubans to step in and realize the potential of the company so that we can raise the money to go through the regulatory process. And that's when those people would uh, own part of the actual company. All right. Well, thank you, Zach, for coming on the show and, and talking about All Sports Market. Uh, it's always great to hear how you guys have, have been doing. You've come a long way since your launch a couple years ago uh, in Hollywood. Um, hope to have you on soon. Hey, my pleasure, man. Merry Christmas. Same to you.